Can you stand with me just a few moments? The Bible says bodily exercise profiteth a little, so let's get the blood stirring, wave to God, (laughs) glorify his name, he is worthy. How many of you know he's worthy? Praise the Lord. What's the matter, Teresa? Can't you get your arms up? Yeah, she can. (laughs) What? Well, then, if you do it just in school, you ought to do it for God. Reach them up there. You'll work the soreness out of them. Like this, Teresa. Like this. Up, up. Praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. You may be seated. Uh, You got your pencil and paper? Because we're going to have some scriptures. The Bible says, He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. And he also says that you have to endure sound doctrine. So it's not really pleasing to the flesh. It's an endurance of the flesh and a joy to the Spirit. I want to begin our Bible study on the fivefold ministry, what what constitutes it, but... Before I can do that, I need to uh, begin to get some things together on the church and what it is and where it is. So I will have several scriptures that I won't read, all of them, but you can mark them down and read them yourself. So uh, if you don't have a pencil and paper, borrow one, for I know that your minds are not quick enough to keep all of them in your head so don't act like it is because you'll miss some of them all right and you wonder what they're talking about i run across this today after an unusually long sermon the preacher asked one of his congregation how did you like my sermon he said i found it very refreshing did you really said the delighted preacher oh absolutely replied the man i felt like a new man when i woke up So however refreshing and however you find it refreshing, if sleep helps you, sleep. (laughs) All right, but if the Spirit helps you, continue on. We're talking about first the church of the living God. What he's established. The church was foreshadowed in types of shadows in the Old Testament. All throughout the Old Testament from the beginning and the end, You'll see the church. If you're looking for it and know what to look for, in the sacrifices and all the things, in the temple worship and how it is ordained, and in the obedience to those that are placed in charge, and all throughout the Old Testament, there's types and shadows of the church. And then there came a time when it was instituted by Christ. In other words, that which they looked for and longed for in the Old Testament and cried for and prayed for was brought into being by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Insomuch that he gave his life for us, he became the last man, Adam, 
who was completely obedient to the word of God and by every temptation resisted them, unlike the first man, Adam, which qualified him to be the Savior of the world. And then the church began by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And on that day of Pentecost, the church come into being. And then also it was structured and is being structured by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gives the church structure. The Holy Ghost through the apostles gave the New Testament church its structure. The old wineskins, the Bible talks about that, could not suffice for the new wine. In other words, it couldn't hold it. And so there had to be a change in the covenant. And also with the change in the covenant came a new structure. The church become a living organism. Now some of these scriptures you have heard time and time again. But let's look at them real closely again in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 14. I'll read them all. For as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and all have been made to drink unto that one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And there is a hidden truth in that that makes us to recognize the importance of the body ministry and the importance of the ministry and the saints of God's ministry as well as the fivefold ministry. So with that being also turning to Romans 12, 4 and 8, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, every one member one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whatever we have is because of the grace of God. Because of His loving mercy and grace. Goes on to say whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Don't get out of faith and believing. On our ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth, let us wait on teaching. Or he that exhorteth, let us wait on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with all simplicity. And he that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy, let him do that with cheerfulness or cheerful. And with all of that, this portrays the church under the analogy of the human body. God knowing that we could understand the human body, regardless of how carnal we are, natural we are, 
God understanding that we could understand the human body and the parts of it and how it takes all of them to become one body. Let us understand that the effectiveness of that body depends on the function of every organ. Every one of us are important. But also we have a function in the body of Christ. Now that function is not occupying a pew. And coming and listening to the sermon, we have a function in the body of Christ. What that function is, God will not keep that from us. God has so arranged it that the ministry of the church is wrapped up in a total body rather than one individual or just one small group. God is letting us know through the Apostle Paul and Corinthians and Romans and other places that the health of the body depends upon the function of each individual organ of the body. Ephesians 1, 22, 23, and says, Hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So we find several important truths in these three verses. Christ is the head, the seat of authority and power of the body. He is the king in control of a kingdom. And he has so entered into a covenant union with the church that she is actually a part of him. Hallelujah. I felt something in that that I know it's a reality. We are part of him. He has entered into such a covenant, a blood covenant with us, that we literally, in a sense, through his spirit, become part of the divinity of God. How he could do that, why he would do that, I don't know, other than he did. Ephesians 5.20 says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, of him. We are members of him, the great omnipresent God. And the Lord so complimented and is complimenting the church, are complimented by the church, let me get that right, and the church is complete in Him. In other words, we complement God when we join together as a unit and worship Him, and then in doing that, the church is complete in God. He fills the church or dwells in her by His Spirit. And we become one in Him. That is only through the Spirit. We are not one in Him as long as flesh rules, as long as there is one dilatory portion of the organism or the body of Christ that is dilatory in moving, then we are not one in Him. We are one in Him through the Spirit as the Spirit motivates our lives and we fulfill that portion of the body of Christ in which He has appointed us. 
So you have to understand what portion of the body of Christ or the church has he called you to fulfill. That you might find that out and also grow in that. We start out as babes once recognizing what is my calling. And once recognize it what it is, then as the Bible points out up here, we are to wait on that and let God teach us how to fulfill that portion. What starts first with a child? It's the mouth of the child. <laughs> Hallelujah. The first thing it does really is wiggle around and make a sound. What first comes in us? It is our mouth as we are born with the Spirit of God and we speak those things of God. And then we begin to frail our arms and move our head and turn over a little bit and finally we get on our feet and finally we walk and finally we run. And all the time this is going on, we are growing inside. That little mouth is going to form more words than that air, mama, or just make a little racket like Emmy Jo does. And uh, in that little racket, she makes sometimes more than we make. Okay? <laughs> God shame us. <laughs> but I see her every once in a while, she's ready to go. I mean, while the rest of her sitting there daydreaming, wondering what we're doing here, she's ready to go. And she's always going. But she's going to learn how to put those things into effect as we did. And then we grow. As we grow, we become more acquainted with that portion of the body of Christ which we are. And finally we fulfill that in maturity. And when this happens, saints... We are not long for this world. The only thing that retains God in heaven is His church coming together and maturing. Amen. And He is waiting Amen. patiently for the precious fruit of the earth, Amen. hallelujah, to mature. Amen. And He's waiting on us. For we have quite a job to do before He comes. We have a world that needs to hear from us. Amen? We have a world that will hear from us whether they want to or not. And they may shut us off now, but when we come to full completion, there is nothing they can do but accept and be drawn or reject and be damned. God is coming to those places. Christ first become incarnate in the human body to overcome sin. That's his first incarnation. When he came in the flesh of Jesus Christ, grew to manhood, resisted temptation fully in his life until he could finally be able to present the sacred blood that was good enough to justify God for all of us. And then he died for us and rose again. And that is not the only incarnation there is. 
God then become incarnate in the church to rescue His people and rescue sinners. You want to know where He dwells? Not in the body of Christ Jesus, but in the body of the church, which is His body. He dwells in us and walks in us and talks in us and is active in us. We always talk about the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ. And we're not fully aware that He didn't stop there. Incarnation coming to dwell in another body, a worldwide body, where He moves and breathes in His church. If the church can't move, God can't move. If the church don't breathe, God can't breathe. If the church can't be in action, God can't be in action. He has invested everything in us. Saints, and we ought to give Him honor and glory for that investment in us. Where He has desired to reach a world through us. I love Him tonight because of that. Thank God. First, glory to God. First Corinthians 1.24 Who now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, Paul has said, for his body's sake, which is the church. You can't get around it. The church is the body of Christ. The incarnate God in human flesh. You see, man cannot look upon God and live. But I want to tell you something, saints. When we grow up, and the church will, yes, it's going to fully mature. And when we grow up, it's going to be as bad as Moses was, or maybe worse, when he saw the hinder parts, which is the Shekinah glory of God as it passes by, and his face was so brightened by that Shekinah glory that he had to put a veil on his face for people to look upon. And once this church skips out of its childishness and becomes mature, the world is going to see the glory and power of a living God through us. What is the world looking for? Something more than it has, it says. But God says, I'm going to start it in my church and I'm going to finish it in my church. And I don't want to be left out. Hallelujah. I want to be as mature as I can be. That church is a living organism. Membership does not come by signing your name up on a roll. Membership does not come by shaking the hand of the minister. Membership does not come by beginning to come to church. Membership in the body of Christ comes only through the receiving of the presence of the Holy Ghost in an individual's life. Then He is incarnate within you and in the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, the Holy Ghost can be likened to the blood or the life of the body. 
Without blood, the natural body can't live. Without the spirit, the spiritual body cannot live. There is no life in us if we have not the spirit. Without this, you can never be an organ in the body of Christ. However good we are, however prosperous we might become, the Holy Spirit is life. The Holy Ghost is life. And life more abundantly. And without that, we can't ever expect for God to make us a part of this spiritual body, which is the church of the living God. Now then, God whispered something in my spirit. The health of this organism. Do you realize the church has health problems? How many of you realize that? The church has health problems. Our natural body has health problems. Every one of us that's here have at one time or another health problems. That is because sometimes we don't eat right. It's because of the genetic makeup of our bodies that we inherit that. Or that's because of some germ or disease. Or that's because of some miscalculation someplace along the line. And we have health problems. But it has ever occurred to you that this living organism of God has health problems. And the only reason and the reason that we can ascertain that it does not have is the health of this organism is maintained as each person yields to the Holy Ghost and allows Him to manifest Himself through them. It's never going to be a healthy church until we allow the Holy Ghost to manifest Himself through us in some fashion or some way. Then health will be restored to the body of Christ. Glory. Glory. Does that not say that every member of the body of Christ is important and yielding ourselves to Him. Whether we're weary when we come in on Wednesday night, not the best time in the world to come. Amen? I'm just almost as old as all of you and a little older than most of you. And I have my problems too. There are times when I could just say, forget it. Why if you go and tell them that I'll make them a tape? Praise the Lord, Brother Hoshko. And yet the responsibility to me for the health of this particular body, and I realize the body is worldwide, and I know one of these days it all has to come together, but our vineyard is here. This is significant of the body of Christ in New Haven. And I am responsible for my portion 
to keep the body healthy. Now, in order to stay healthy, they tell me, in fact, they demand of me that I eat healthy food. And this healthy food I don't like. Pie and cake and candy. All of these things that's not good for you, I like. But they have let me know, the doctors let me know, that I have got to maintain a certain weight. That I have got to maintain certain things, I can't have them, and there's other things I must have if I'm going to stay healthy at 76 years old. Okay? Now what am I getting at? There are certain things for the health of the body of Christ that we must not have and certain things for our own health that we must have. And the things that we like as far as the flesh is concerned, we cannot have. And the things which the Spirit lives on, we have to have. Hallelujah. Yes. We want a healthy church, don't we, Say, yes. Wave your hand yes. and say, thank God I want a healthy church. Yes, Hallelujah. But that's healthy as we yield to the Spirit. As we allow Him to dictate unto us. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to the ministry. Is given to every man, and I have to assume that's a woman because we're really outnumbered here, Tommy and Pastor and me and Brother Lee. But as given to every man... What for? To profit with all or over all. Not just profit for us, but profit for the whole body of Christ. And these things that God gives us are not necessarily natural talents or natural abilities, but they are actual expressions of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has only one way of an expression, and that is through the body of Christ. The only way the Holy Ghost can express itself in a service, His worship and praise in the song service, worship and praise in the testimony service, honoring and praising God with special songs and heeding the gospel call through the ministry, the Holy Ghost expresses itself and tells us what it wants us to do. One of the greatest blessings I think I have ever received in the history of of my ministry is through an elderly lady that did not 
have much education, could hardly read her Bible, and yet crippled in a sense, could hardly stand with arthritis, and she would begin to struggle from her seat. She could have sat there and said what she needed to, and nobody would have said anything. But she did not believe that she could fulfill, and her faith was strong enough that she wanted to stand for the Lord. And so with gnarled hands, she takes a couple of minutes to get up. And everybody waited on her because they knew from the lips of that suffering individual was going to come something that would bless the entire congregation. And she never failed one time. An expression of the Holy Ghost through that life that was riddled with pain still decided that God was the best thing that ever happened. And as long as she could get there, she was there. You don't want any better testimony than that. When you see people and find people hurt and maligned and suffering, still come to the house of God and still stand and let the Holy Ghost express itself through them. And in spite of it all, stand and wave as she did those gnarled hands and those crippled joints and thank God for the breath she breathed and for the privilege. Sister Hazel Marjolin went on in that condition, but she always said, if God chooses for me to be there when I awake in the morning of the resurrection, I'll raise my hand and shout the glory, for nothing will be there on the other side in the kingdom of God. I would have been... Redeemed. Hallelujah. Natural talents and abilities are fine. But you have to understand where they come from. Actual expressions of the Holy Ghost. And since the Holy Ghost is invisible, you can't see the Holy Ghost in me, can you? I can't see it in you. How are we going to know it's in there? He makes himself visible through the members of the body of Christ. That's the way he expresses himself. Hallelujah. Why don't we give him an opportunity sometimes to express himself? You don't have to preach a long-winded message like I do. I have to do that to express myself through the Holy Ghost. But you just sit there and let the Holy Ghost move in you and stand up and say just a few simple things. 
concerning the redemptive blood of Christ and the power of His Spirit and the abilities to be able to walk, creep, or crawl into the house of God. Hallelujah. As a spiritual organism, we require spiritual gifts to live and to function. Therefore, the internal ministry of this organism, I'm talking about us, that keeps it edified and healthy must have its source from the Holy Ghost. You dare not separate it. You want a healthy, healthy organism. You want to church healthy. You'll go to ever extreme. If we want our body healthy, and God doesn't seem to touch us, we find other means to restore it to where it ought to be. And if we see the health of the church is not the way it ought to be, let us understand you can have all the programs in the world you want, but that does not take care of the health of the church. The only way a church can be healthy is before God on our knees asking the Holy Ghost to edify Himself in us. And give Him everything we've got. And then that's organism. And then once God has created that, that organism in a sense, through the Spirit, then as much as we dislike that word, then comes organization. It has to be organized. You cannot have a healthy body if it is not organized. This can be likened to the skeletal system of the body. That's its framework. It gives a definite form and shape to the body. It causes the body to be solid, causes it to be stable, and causes it to be permanent. It supports all the organs. You can have a liver without a skeleton. What would you have? There's nothing for it to fasten to. Amen? And that is the problem with our modern day type of let the Holy Ghost do it. You start something and it's got nothing to give it solidity to because it is not organized. Everybody doing its own thing the way it wants to do it. And there's no skeletal framework to it. It supports all the organs, causes them to be properly related one to another. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is organization. I'm not talking about an organization like the UPC and the IMA and the ABC and all the other alphabetical things. I'm talking about organized locally local body of Christ which 
soon will come an organization of the complete whole worldwide body of Christ just like it was before it splintered off and the apostles died had a place there. It causes proper movement. The body can't move without a skeleton. Amen. What is it say the thigh bone connected to the whatever that song goes? But each one has to be connected to another, which makes up the skeletal things, and each part of us inside is hinged one way or another upon the skeletal part. That way we become a body. Okay? Now the organization, and this is where I wanted to get when I first started. Okay? The organization of the church is simple, yet it's vital. Basically, it consists of elders. Now let me show you what elder is. Elder comes from the word presbyteros. It means senior or speaks of the man. And then there is bishop that we see in the Bible. Eskopos, which simply means an overseer or a superintendent which speaks of his office. All Ministry is elders. And pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, so on, speaks of their work. What they are called to be in the body of Christ. Now elders, the Bible says, Acts 4.13 or 23 I believe it is, and when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they believed. Notice, these are to be in every church. A detailed list of their qualifications is given to Timothy and to Titus. So you read them, Timothy 3.1.7 to Titus 1.5.9. And when you study their qualifications, it reveals that they are men with governmental ministries over the household of God. This is being structured. This is being organized. This is being uh, skeletons, putting in its place. Now, the elders fall into these several categories. Apostles, oh yes, they're still very much alive. Prophets, there's a lot of false ones in the land, but there's true ones. Evangelists, pastors, and teachers, fivefold ministry, all are called elders. Now, one may fulfill more than one office, and there's a great variety in these ministries, 
though the basic functions are similar and the end result is the same. For example, one elder might be an excellent teacher, but not able to be an apostle or an evangelist. And if that being so, he should not attempt to assume a ministry that he is not equipped for. Churches rise and fall from the benefit of the acknowledgement that all of these ministries are necessary in every local church. If they're not here locally, it is up to the leadership to see that at least some of them are brought in ever so often to give the church a balance. I'll explain what that means a little bit. The Holy Spirit will make known to each individual their ministry. And this is done by the inner witness of the Spirit. And then it's confirmed by other individuals and sometimes just by the laying on of hands of individuals. But if somebody lays hands on you and says something that you're supposed to be and that's nothing inside your spirit that you've ever thought that, beware. Hear me? You be careful. Because first there has to be a witness inside of you and this only helps to substantiate that witness you already feel inside. Okay? Now we've talked about elders. Now, deacons. These are servants in the church. These are those who carry the physical aspect of the work. We all need to hear this. As priests of the Old Testament, who carried the different items of the taber- items of the tabernacle while they journeyed under the leadership of Moses. Moses did not do it. Moses saw to it that it was their job and if they could not fulfill it Moses got somebody else they are spoken of at first in Acts let me read it and in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Now, you've got to understand, these were a mixture of Hebrews, which was of every tribe of Israel, not just Jews, a mixture of every tribe. And then, the Gentiles was adopted in to this Israelitish church. There has never been... And never will be a Gentile church. 
The Gentiles have been adopted in. And when they accepted what the Israelites and their God, then they become a part of the body of Christ. And in a sense, Israelites are Gentiles adopted in. In a sense, become Israelites by adoption. We are not Israelites by adoption. We are by birth, both natural and spiritual. Okay, so they were having some problem because their widows were neglected in the daily ministrations. And then the twelve called a multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should read the word of God and serve tables. Not that we're too good to, but our primary calling is to get the Word of God, understand what it is, get ready for revelations that we might write it down as to what it is and preserve it for future generations. And our job is to study the Word of God. And it's not right for us to take time, whereby, brethren, look ye out among you, Seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Now these individuals had to be spiritual men because it was impossible for them to delight in their work unless they loved the people. If it was a drudgery to them, they didn't love the people. If they didn't feel appreciated, they didn't love the people. They didn't understand what their calling was. And when we offer the board authority, You want to be biblical? Find deacons. Call them deacons. Let them be deacons. Let them know what their authority is. Let them know who they answer to. And let them know what their job is. And then let them do it. Amen. You want health? That'll bring health. You can't just continue, though God is patient, and He understands what has brought on all this confusion, but we just can't keep going on unbiblical with unbiblical ways of doing things and have health in the body of Christ. It only brings confusion. And you have seen that and I have seen it. Okay? Qualifications of deacons is given and that's almost the same as elders in 1 Timothy 3, 8 and 13. And sometimes we become so busy that we don't look at the qualifications, what's in their life, 
and we think we need them so bad that we just thrust them in a position that they're not qualified for, neither are they ready for. Rather, we not have them. That they have somebody in there that's not qualified to be that. It is a strain on them. And it is confusion in the church. Church should have individuals they look up to. That's picked out. And I'll give you another shocker. Deacons are picked out by the elders that's in the church. Not elected by the congregation. I think I'm better quit. I'm getting into some very deep water. But I want you to think about that. We're going to go on. We've got a little bit more to go before we get in. And I want to get into the fivefold ministry and what it entails. What is an apostle? How can you know it? What's a prophet? Is there prophets today? What is an evangelist? He's somebody that comes along and holds a three nights meeting? I don't think so. What is a pastor and what is his duties? What is his qualifications? And what are teachers? And how can we learn to give each one of them the due respect they need even though some highly energetic individual that's hypertensive like myself that's always moving about how can we get the teachers individuals like that that just lay down pure platform of truth how can we give them the same respect when their teaching is kind of dull and they have to be very meticulous because they're teaching they're teaching when I teach if I ever do I have to be very careful because I'm teaching in other words I can't miss any portion of this when I'm preaching I can hit here and hit there and hit someplace else and so can a minister when he's preaching but when you're teaching you got to dot your I's and cross your T's. And I never could do that very good. Whenever you read my writing, I've got to go back and cross every one of my T's and dot every one of my I's. I do that. But you have to be careful. We have false doctrines and spiritual decline that enter into the church immediately after the apostles had established churches and in the midst of all of that, while it was going on, there were some things from the Old Testament and also from the New that talked about the church being restored in the last days. And talked about, again, Old Testament types and shadows uh, designed, so to speak, for latter-day uh, construction of the church or restoration of the church of the living God. Shall we stand, lift our arms to heaven, say thank God for truth and thank God for victory and God help us to do things your way for the help of the body of Christ. 
Let us become healthy, Lord. Let us become healthy. And when we do, every member of the body is going to give you the Spirit inside of them a right away to express you, God, through them. All right. Praise the Lord.